0: The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on WellSeekers.
1: Hello and welcome to WellSeekers, where we are helping you find your own personal story that leads you to happiness and wellness, and leads us all, the entire seekerhood, to a life and a world that is more happy and more peaceful and well. I'm Lucia, and I'm so excited to be here with you as we finish and round out our last episode of our series on reviving your mind, your mood, and your life, your holistic wellness too, really, in time for summer. We're getting hot summer minds, hot summer moods, and hot summer lives. Am I the only one that likes that? My producer's looking at me incredibly strange. (laughs) I know. No. Okay. She likes it. She likes it. I'm really excited about this week's show, you guys. We're wrapping up the series with Meg, who is a cognitive behavioral therapist or psychotherapist, a clinical psychologist in training. And she is going to be coming on the show from England. Her focus is self-love and self-care. And the reason that I'm really excited is because this is a user submitted request. Someone reached out and said, listen, I'm struggling with self-care. And as I head into summer, I struggle even more. And then I got an additional message on Instagram from a parent that was saying, you know, as I head into summer, I feel like my life gets more hectic, not less hectic. You envision summer as something that's stress-free. I don't think that's the case for many parents. If you listened to the show last season, we had a whole thing on summer ideas for parents. So maybe I'll put that in the link so you guys can listen if you are a parent and you're struggling as summer approaches and getting scared of what to do with your kids and how to take care of yourself. Definitely go back and listen to some of our past shows. This is an overall, how can we take care of ourselves as we head into summer and ways to increase our self-care. When I was prepping for the show, um like I always do, I try and look at different research, I try and look at it from a perspective of you guys know I'm a storyteller, so how has this story affected my own life? How does this work, and how can we change our stories about self care? What I thought was interesting, and I have a couple of things to share, one from a personal and one from just a research perspective so let's we'll go for the research first. One thing that I thought was really interesting is that 65 to 90% of all illnesses can be linked back to stress and lack of self-care. So stress is something that's in all of our lives. And it's not only in all of our lives, it's affecting all of our lives and for the negative. But it's something that is also on all of our minds at that we want to do something about. It said that Americans spend, each individual American, over 143000 thousand dollars in their lifetime to try and address self-care. One hundred and forty three thousand dollars. Yet we are still stressed out and going to the doctors with physical ailments because of stress. So even though we want to take care of ourselves, we don't either don't know what to do to do it or we're not actually doing the right things. I feel like this is a topic that can't be addressed enough. I talked about this at the beginning of this series, why we were doing it. People actually feel more stressed during the summer for two reasons. One of those reasons is because there's expectations that, okay, it's summer, I need to cram and all this fun stuff, and then it causes more stress. And then the other can be, if you're a parent, you have kids. It's not only your work and X, Y, and Z, but they're not in school. So we have the additional stress of kids in the in your house more frequently? What do I do if I'm working and I need childcare? So whether you're single or you're a parent, this episode is for you. Personally, I I have to say that my whole story around self-care was one that I had to change. I felt like self-care was a luxury. I was taught that massage or, you know, taking some time out for a meditation or a yoga class or to just walk around the mall, not even buy anything, was something that was a luxury. But in reality, these little small distressors that we can do during the day, whether it's taking a moment at our desk, if that's all you have, whether it is the luxury of a massage or even just giving yourself a massage or your partner a massage, these are not luxuries. These are necessities and ways to Self care. That's a story that I needed to change in my own life and needed to create the space for self care. And what that has looked like has been a million different things. Sometimes self care is, you know what, I've had a really long ride home and I want a coffee. I want a coffee. I'm allergic to milk, so I put almond milk in it with almond milk in it. And I'm going to drive and drink this on the way home. And sometimes self care is a massage or maybe it's a pedicure every once in a while. Actually, truth. I hate pedicures. I don't like people touching my feet for some reason, but for some people it is a pedicure. Um, so there can be traditional self-care. There can be non-traditional, what we think non-traditional self-care, which could just be taking a moment at your desk for meditation, literally 60 seconds, just putting yourself in time out. Or like I said, Getting a coffee on the ride home. There's a million roads to self care. The important thing, at least for me in my own life, was that I stopped looking at it like, hey, this is something that's indulgent. And I looked at it as this is something that's needed in my life in order to uh, be the healthiest and best person I can be. So, rewriting that story individually, and then also, you guys, we all know society puts pressures on us to be go, 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 and not take time for ourselves. Let's just toss that script. That's a bad script that society's written and write our own individual scripts that self-care is something that is not indulgent. It's important to our lives. So how do we take care of ourselves and how do we revive our self-care in time for summer? If you want to find out, make sure you stick with us. Meg, she is going to be joining us from England. She is a cognitive behavioral psychotherapist. She is a clinical psychologist in training and she has an incredible blog that we're going to talk about. So make sure you come back. We'll be right back with Meg on Well Seekers.
0: You're listening to Wellseekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. You want to be part of the seekerhood? It's easy. Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.
1: Hey guys, it's Lucia. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Now I know we're on a break and we're waiting for our guest to come back on. So in the meantime, make sure you check out wellseekers.com for all the latest and greatest simple and easy tools to help you live life well, to build up a stronger mind, a stronger body, a stronger spirit, and a stronger life to help you live happy and well. We've got blogs, we've got videos, and we've got tools. We've also got empowering stories and solutions on all of our podcasts. So if you've missed an episode or you want to check out more, make sure to hang out on the site and become part of our seekerhood at wellseekers.com. Now, without further ado, let's get back to our guest. And we are back on Well Seekers with our guest this week, Meg, also known as the City Psych Check Checked out your website, Meg, and I love it. It's incredible. Oh, thank
2: you. Oh, that's really, really nice to hear. Thank you so much.
1: It's beautiful. You guys should check it out too. We'll put the links below, but it's citypsychchick.com. We'll give you her social too, her Instagram at citypsychchick. Meg is currently a clinical psychologist in training and a fully accredited cognitive behavioral psychotherapist. She's worked, <laughs> a mouthful. I know. She's worked <laughs> with a wide range of mental health conditions and people of all ages. And she also has that incredible blog about mental health, overall well-being, self- love and so much more. So make sure you check it out. Cognitive behavioral therapy is something we've talked about before in this show, Meg, because I'm a big fan of it. CBT. It's one of my favorite methods. Oh, the perfect. mind is so powerful. Mm. I always say it is either your worst enemy or your solution. And most of the times both. So yes.
2: Yeah, <laughs> very much. Yeah. It's about how to, I guess, make it your how to turn it from being your worst enemy around to being your best friend. That is the real challenge.
1: It really is. It's all possible. Anything is possible. Our mind is basically plastic the more that we learn about it. So (laughs) we've been doing a six week series on summer revival, starting from the mind down and different aspects of taking care of ourselves, our mental, emotional and holistic health as we head into summer. Tell us, though, about your own journey because we're all about the story here and the journey sure. at Well Seekers. How did you get to become a cognitive behavioral therapist and a clinical psychologist in training? What drew you to that?
2: Uh gosh, such a, that's such a big big question. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no it's um I think many, many things. I think for me, I mean, there's a little bit of kind of nature nurture here. So I kind of was always, I guess, the the mediator, I suppose, or the kind of problem solver and kind of was quite attuned to other people when I was growing up. So I was always the the agony aunt in my friendship group, as it were. So I guess people weren't that surprised that I ended up in this profession. But I think a real part of my journey was about the fact that I was like that. I think so much... Of I suppose it's a cultural thing as well. You know, we put friends and family and people that we care about before us. We tend to neglect ourselves. And that was very much a part of my journey. So I learned some really tough lessons about uh, looking after myself and the need to do that in the context of always, I guess, giving. And I think that so much of that is, you know, when you're a parent or you've got um some a loved one who's got mental health difficulties, any of those things and you start to put other people first, uh, then, you know, your own health can can take a bit of a backseat. And so I guess um, that's more of, I suppose, my personal journey through, you know, and that's something that I'm still exploring. And it's something that I write about a lot of kind of looking after yourself and what that even means. It's so true.
1: I mean, I think that caregivers and honestly, there's a lot of secondary trauma people experience, I think, and don't yeah. even realize it. The need to take care of yourself when you're taking care of other people in any aspect is essential.
2: Yeah, it, it's very, very true. And, and it's it's very easy to say and to be like, OK, I know I need to have, you know, some time to myself or I need to you know, put myself first a little bit. But what I realize is there's actually and this is personally and professionally when I work with people on things like self-esteem and trauma and relationship difficulties that there are actually loads of barriers that we put in our way. And and sometimes that's from difficult experiences, but sometimes that's because we're just not quite sure how to put ourselves first. So we know that it's something that we should do, right? And I think, you know, it's something that's talked a lot about, um, especially on social media and a lot when, you know, obviously when we're thinking professionally about working with people and wellness, we want to be promoting that message that it's so important to look after yourself. But lots of people have never had that experience. And and lots of people find that really difficult. And that was myself included. You know, it was something that I really had to learn. I was definitely one of those kind of perfectionist types and a person that would always as i said put, put other people before myself and that was a lot to do with self-esteem mm. and so i think that's a journey that, that i've definitely um come on and overcome which makes me very hopeful about kind of working with people i don't know how, what your experience of working with self-esteem or, or you know when we really are down on ourselves and find it hard to put ourselves first but that's actually can take a little bit of time and quite a lot of practice um to to kind of get people to think about and and to do for ourselves as well
1: there's so many components to it right Mm -hmm. so it's cognitively as you know Mm -hmm. how do we sort of talk to ourselves to put ourselves first and then also just practically what are we doing for self-care mm. to take care of ourselves, to nurture ourselves? I have worked with a lot of eating disorder clients. And yeah. of course, self-care is a big and self-esteem is a big component of it.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, it, and self-esteem is something that, and this is something that I feel very strongly about, I guess, all mental health difficulties. That there is a component sort of underlying that of, of us all, whether it's a factor because somebody has got a mental health difficulty like depression or bipolar disorder, or whatever, and then feeling quite you know a sense of shame or guilt about having that condition, or whether it's something that's always been there, I do find that it is something that kind of runs through lots of different um, mental health difficulties, and and also affects all of us. You know, we all struggle with feeling good about our bodies, feeling good about our you know our jobs, all of the things, and that we're supposed to be doing all of the pressures that are out there. And especially I think for women, you know, there's, there's just endless lists of things that we're supposed to do and ways that we're supposed to be. It just gets for lots of people. And, you know, I guess this is us included. It, it gets harder and harder to, love yourself in a, in a society, in a culture where, you know, we are just supposed to be so perfect.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's near impossible to live up to what culturally the expectations are of women these days, professionally, personally, aesthetically. Mm. It's just, it's impossible. And the week before this, we had a guest on talking about body acceptance. And I was Uh. talking about a study that was done that said 90% of women, 97% of women, will be cruel to their bodies in some way on a daily yeah. basis. And then you take into effect margin of error. Almost <laughs> all of us are cruel in some way to our bodies. Yeah.
2: And you know what is scary is I think that it's just such a norm. And I think when you think about self-care and things that are suggested to do for ourselves, I think that they you know, everyone would vary on how easy or difficult they found that particular task. Let's say something, you know, that's that's normally recommended, like, you know, having a nice long hot bath. Like that sounds really simple, right? But actually there are practical things around that. Like, you know, if you have kids or you've got, you know, a job that's till all hours of the morning or whatever you're doing, that actually becomes quite difficult. But aside from the practical things I'm saying, like the cognitive, I guess, as you you mentioned, that element of Mm. being able to step into that bath and not have all those critical thoughts about your body and not have all of the lists of things that you should be doing and the ways that you should be productive right now, you know, and how self-indulgent of you to take a long, hot bath, you know, all of the self-talk that goes on and those thoughts. Actually, then we find that, you know, there's something that should be, should again, but something that essentially would be hopefully quite simple becomes an absolute minefield to actually get the benefits from in self-care. So I think For me, I always talk to people that I work with and and think about myself, Are those sort of initial barriers to even doing the task, those thoughts that come into your mind that way that you speak to yourself and, and kind of listening out for that, you know, and being aware of how are you being cruel to yourself? How, what is your kind of kindness level, as it were, you know, if it were on a scale, where are you at? Because that actually is, also needs a little bit of attention as well as you just, you know, doing the particular things that are classed as self-care.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Megan. One of the lines that have sort of has been one of my catch lines, I guess, is that or things that I ask everyone is who's telling your story? Are you in charge of your story? Are you telling yourself that it's indulgent to be in the bath? Or where did you get that from? And how can we sort of Mm re-narrate what's going on and re-script what's going on cognitively. I know that if I take, I don't even a massage or something, it's like you will get comments. How indulgent Mm. to get a massage. It's like, actually, no, it's not. It's just part of a healthy self-care routine. It's not like I'm getting a massage every day. right? But we feel guilty about taking care of ourselves. And yet there's an expectation to still look and feel a certain way. But how do you get there if you don't take care of yourself? It's just disjointed.
2: It is. And I think it's there's something really important about that. And, and I love that kind of expression of sort of re-scripting and, and who's telling your story. I think it's something that I talk about a lot is kind of thinking about what path you're on right now and why you are on that path, what, what has been your story so far. You know, all of us come into this world and we're in a certain family, we have certain experiences and lots of things growing up we can't control. It's not about, I guess, necessarily blaming what's happened to you and what sort of traumas or experiences you've been through but it's just about recognizing that having been through those experiences perhaps that has shaped the way that you view yourself and the way that you view your life and and how you're going down that kind of track and and how you're you know running your story as it were and that actually those things can be changed and it's just a it is a question of you kind of acknowledging what your story is and and whether you'd like that to continue as it is, or whether you would like that to change and we can all change our story. And I think so much of that is not really recognized, you know, and I don't know if this is just in the mental health field or just in general, but there's so much out there about, you know, if you've had trauma or if you've had really difficult experiences and don't know how to look after yourself, that that's how it's always going to be. And it's, it's just not the case.
1: It's just not the case. I feel like there is that sort of once you're broken, you're broken. It's not the way that it is. Personally, I've seen it in my own life. And professionally, I've seen it in other people's life. Mm -hmm. It is possible to rescript and to heal.
2: It is. It definitely is. And I think that self-care is a way to do that. But I think it brings up a lot. As I said, even, you know, putting in one thing that you think is, you know, one practical task that you can do, which is great. But I guess I would just be mindful of what that might bring up for you and that that's okay if you have, you know, that self-talk and that that it's quite a negative experience. It doesn't mean that you should just give up the self-care because I know that's so tempting because it just feels too difficult. But actually with practice and with time and being curious about what's going on for you in those moments is really important to kind of hold on to that. That won't always be like that. It is just relearning and re scripting as it were kind of how you do treat yourself
1: such wise wise words I actually unwell seekers we have a self-care box
2: oh amazing and
1: it's seasonal and subscriptional so that people can have simple and accessible ways to take care of themselves because sometimes you don't know (laughs) yeah and it always includes a little description of how to use it and how to implement it into your life that is something that the knowledge and CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, is something that, again, I've seen work personally and professionally but there is something to be said about what you said, taking a bath or small little tools and incorporating them into your self-care routine. It was game changing for me yeah, personally. And I know I've seen it game change a lot of people's lives for sure.
2: And I think it's about the small steps, you know, like I, I remember a few years ago and I, you know, read all about kind of yoga and how good that was mind, body, soul connection, you know, and I, and I remember I, I was at a really stressful job at the time and studying as well. And I thought, you know what I just I'm just going to do some yoga that sounds great I need to you know look after myself and and give myself some downtime I know it was really really difficult and I think there's lots of things that are difficult about yogurt as well as how amazing it is you know there's sitting with your thoughts and your feelings and all of that can be tough but I just I think there's something about the fact that it was another should for me and I think there is a there is a danger at times of, you know, self-care becoming another, oh, I've got to do that as well. I've got to fit that in. If you're just picking something that is supposed to be good and lots of people like, but actually doesn't really fit with you, then it's not going to benefit you. So I think for me at that time, I needed to do much smaller things, you know, making sure that I had a couple of minutes to myself before my, you know, housemate came in and having a bit of downtime, maybe going for a, a little walk or listening to music and having a little dance about, you know, lots of different things that aren't that, okay, self-care is yoga. And I really just tried to implement it and it didn't work. And I think if you take that approach of, okay, here's a self-care thing I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to give it a go. And it can be really defeating if it's not working out for you. And you think, well, everyone else is kind of out there doing yoga for an hour a day. And obviously that's not the case, but I think there's something about just, you know, taking self-care and thinking that it's another job and picking something that doesn't really fit with you. So I think it's also about exploring and just trying and being you know again being curious like oh did I like that was that too difficult or can I try something for a bit you know just a few minutes rather than half an hour you know it's that kind of trial and error I guess
1: yeah no absolutely as we head into summer since we're doing this series on summer revival and self-care specifically I know we've talked sort of in generalities of some things to think about and contemplate do you have anything tip-wise three or four ideas that people can implement as we head towards summer as a self-care routine?
2: Mm, sure. I know this is maybe less practical, but I guess uh, as I was sort of um, saying earlier, I think one of the, the best things to do is to allow yourself some, some space to kind of, you know, listen to, listen to your body, listen to your mind, listen to kind of where you're at, when we're so busy rushing around and overscheduling or kind of having that to-do list, it can be really, really hard to know actually where you're even at with self-care and how you're feeling about looking after yourself. So I guess I, I kind of do that in different ways. There's some really amazing um, YouTube kind of, they're not really videos, but they're, they're more music uh, it's like meditation music. Mm, yeah, um, I love those. I use those all the time, just randomly. Well. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, and there's different um, there's different frequencies on there. So that kind of, I think the four, three, two frequency is is supposed to be one of the most um, meditative types of music, which I, I didn't know actually until this year because I've been looking into it a little bit more. And it's something that um, actually really helped me. I had bad migraines. Um, and sometimes I, I can get those when I feel overwhelmed and feel kind of more emotionally stressed and that music actually not even, I didn't even really sit down and kind of listen to it for ages, just had it on when I was sort of falling asleep and that really helped. So making sure, I guess for me, that you kind of have a really good routine when you're, when you're going to bed at the end of the day, you know, and you just fall into bed, that can be, um, that could just be tempting. That's one of my favorite
1: things is a nighttime routine. And I talk about it a lot on the show. People are always amazed because I have specific nighttime clothes. I've come from an Italian background and my dad always talked about nighttime clothes. So I just feel like there's something so, I don't know, proper for me because of my upbringing, but there's just something so transformative about getting out of your clothes and having your nighttime routine and then putting on actual bed clothes. I noticed a difference for myself personally, as opposed to just like, let me grab a t-shirt and throw it on. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, sleep in the I same do. t-shirt. <laughs> and
2: like, yeah. You are on
1: during the day. So
2: tempting, isn't it? Exactly. When you're busy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I completely agree. I think that's become more and more important for me. Cause I, at the moment I, I work and I study. So my time is, is kind of, it's really difficult. And I think for anybody where, and this might be, you know, the same, if you've got a family where, you know, there's not really a, Time that you're kind of off the clock that much. Mm. I think um, when you get into bed, that is hopefully, obviously, if you've got small, small kids, then maybe not so much. But that is your time, and I think that we just often so easily just flop into bed. And I think for me, listening to that little bit of music before I go, almost like it really does kind of relax your body, and then you're not just kind of falling into this exhausted sleep. Hopefully, you're kind of in more of a healing space when you're sleeping. That's kind of my theory behind it anyway and I think similarly I totally relate to that idea of almost like decompressing after the day with your with your nighttime clothes I love that idea but I think for me what I've noticed is um and and this might be the same with other people if you're quite stressed you know that tendency to just kind of eat anything and everything Mm. um yeah very well yeah (laughs) and that, that normally um you know, everyone has their snack time, don't they? But that normally, and I did read somewhere that five o'clock is like the most common time to kind of overeat and snack. And um, around that time, obviously, people are finishing work and, you know, you, you've had a busy day or whatever. So I, I've realized that actually, for me, doing a bit of relaxation at that time is really helpful so that I don't end up kind of being in this really stressed out place for the evening. You know how some days it gets really hard to like switch off from things. So I now um, do kind of sit, you know, quietly or or kind of listen to some music for about five, 10 minutes, literally before I do anything when I get in.
1: I love that. So coming up with something for the nighttime, a nighttime routine, and also coming up with something as we get home, that's going to actually help us take care of ourselves as opposed to just, I mean, I'm guilty of it, using food to decompress
2: yeah Mm -hmm. definitely it's really important to just kind of notice if you if you can just notice at the times when you're either doing something it comes back to the cognitive behavioral thing but if you're doing some kind of behavior that's showing you're stressed or whether you're having lots of kind of thoughts or lots of kind of oh I've got to do this and I've got to do that like either one of those can help you to identify the time that you need a self-care activity so I think You know, for me, it's all about that listening, that acknowledging how you're feeling. Are you exhausted? Are you in need of more self-care, you know, and and making sure that you're in tune with your body? And then I guess the the second part of that would be, what time do I really need this particular task? Because as I said before, if you're just applying a self-care exercise or doing a routine that, that you think you should be doing, it might not be something that you stick with. Because for us to, as we know, for us to stick with anything, any habit or activity, it has to be meaningful for us.
1: Absolutely. It's
2: a lot about kind of finding something that fits with you and something that has meaning and at a time that is important for you to do it.
1: That is so good. Any more tips, Meg? These were great.
2: Well, I guess there's, there's a lot about, um, I guess getting things out, (laughs) I mean, kind of thoughts, feelings. Mm. Um, So I do um, a little bit of kind of writing and this is like free, I guess it's called flow writing. I don't know if that's something that you've...
1: Oh, yeah. I love flow writing. Tell us about it, though, because people may not know what it is.
2: Uh, okay. So basically, um, it feels so strange when you first start doing, I remember, and, and even now when I sit down to do it, I feel like this is the weirdest thing ever. But you basically <laughs> take um, a piece of paper, a pen. I mean, they do say that early in the morning is a good time to do it. But I would say whenever, whenever fits in with your schedule, you just kind of set a time on your phone uh, if you can or on a clock whatever um like five minutes if you're just starting out and then I think you can go up to as long as you want but maybe go up to 10 if you get more used to it but you just literally kind of pen to paper you've got like five to ten minutes and you just write anything and it's anything that's in your head it could be loads of random stuff it could be I feel really awkward (laughs) writing on the saber which I know I definitely write down Mm -hmm. but it's all about kind of expression and getting out some of those thoughts and feelings that might be really stuck or that you just don't have time to acknowledge so that's kind of how I I use it anyway it's just sort of getting everything out on paper and it's a way to not only kind of express and and offload onto paper but it's also for you to kind of have a little look at and see okay well oh I didn't know that that was on my mind or oh okay I'm obviously really worried about that particular thing or you know whatever it might be it's all again about becoming more in tune with yourself and I think if you're somebody that finds sitting with your thoughts quite difficult which I think is increasing as we get busier and busier.
1: I was gonna say I think that's everyone Mm -hmm. yeah
2: it's really hard to do um, then it's just a really great way of tapping into, I guess, more like what meditation would tap into, but without having to actually meditate. You're doing something quite concrete and it's sort of a bit of movement, a bit of thinking, but but not too much. And uh, yeah, you might be surprised what kind of comes out. And I think that, again, with my whole tip of sort of listening to yourself and working out what kind of self-care you need, that's a really great way to find out.
1: I love that. Such great advice, Meg. Before we let you go, I was just looking. We have just one listener question. Oh, yeah, that's fine. So, someone wanted to know I'm not going to say the name in case they don't want me to. If you're a parent, do you have anything specific for a parent of a young child that maybe you're getting torn in probably a thousand different directions? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you're a parent of a toddler, especially, any sort of self care specifically for a parent of a young child that they can. Mm They can use as we head into summer, especially I know from having five nephews in the summer too, that it is go time. You think yeah. it's a vacation, <laughs> but it is not a vacation. It is. an It's like extra work. Yeah. Kids are everywhere in the summer. So any advice for them?
2: It's such a, I, I really, um admire anybody that's kind of going into summer with kids it is uh, yeah it can be really busy um i'm not a parent myself i do have worked with lots of parents of young children yeah um and it is it is really tough but um you know what I really noticed with, with parents, particularly of young children, is is that because you are pulled in so many directions, I said then there's so much pressure to get things right as a parent and that can be really, really tough. And I think if you're a person that's that's already quite hard on yourself, going into that those tasks of kind of looking after a child can be really, really difficult on you. And I think that we don't think enough about parents and what they have to deal with. So I think I would just be checking in with, again, kind of how you're talking about yourself, how you're thinking about yourself and and ultimately to be as kind as you possibly can. If you've done something wrong or you've made a mistake or, you know, you haven't had time to do this and this and this that that's okay so I would say firstly you know it's about trying to kind of let yourself off the hook a little bit but also I think that as the summer is busier and and you're having to do probably a million and one things I would really make it a priority to if you can really sit down with your schedule just as you would with any of your kind of jobs and errands that you've got to do and really try and carve out a little bit of time where you can as I said even minutes to do a bit of writing or to listen to a little bit of music. It really is the smaller things. You know, if you can give yourself the smaller breaks in the day, then hopefully you won't be so exhausted by you know, the nighttime, but I think honestly, it's just letting yourself off the hook a little bit and not letting self-care become kind of another, another job. My main message.
1: I love that. So giving yourself permission to just be where you are and to, to do what you have to do and squeeze in what you can at the time. Yeah. That you can do it. Yeah.
2: And the permission to make self-care, whatever it needs to be. You know, I honestly think if that's If that's sitting down and watching your favorite TV show when the kid's gone to bed and having a bar of chocolate, then that is what it is. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I know we talk about being super healthy and obviously that's important and not, you know, stress eating and all of that. But if that is what you need in that moment and just letting yourself have that, because there is way too many pressures on, on us the rest of the time. I think it's you being kind to yourself is the first the first step.
1: That's perfect and beautiful. A great place to leave it. Meg, clinical psychologist in training, fully accredited cognitive behavioral psychotherapist. You can check her out at citypsychchick.com on Instagram at citypsychchick. We'll put her links below. If you want to find out more and definitely check out her blog. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. And we'll be right back on Well Seekers.
0: Look, we're already friends, right? So let's make it official. Just find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at WellSeekers. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show.
1: Thanks so much to Meg for joining us. I lived in England, and that made me miss England. It was for a very brief amount of time. It was a study abroad. What a great experience. I'll have to share that with you guys. Anyway, thanks again to Meg. Make sure you check out her blog and some great, great advice about how we can rewrite our script and incorporate self-care. You guys know that I usually share a tool, but since we're talking about it, our summer boxes are here. They've dropped. We're very, very excited. And I have to say they are probably the simplest and easiest way that I get to my self-care. And this box is one of my favorites. There's so many treats in there. I want to tell you about them all. There's a picture on the site, so I don't think I'm spoiling it. Hopefully, if you haven't gotten your box yet, I'm not spoiling it for you. If you like, sometimes I like to open it and be surprised even though, you know, when I order things, but I picked this box so I'm not surprised. But there's five incredible items that are top quality. Sometimes we'll pick six. We really went above and beyond in this box. And we not only give you the items, but we give you a little description of how to use them. So if you're looking for simple self-care, something that's practical that you can use in your life, your real life, this box you have to check out. So go to WellSeekers, then click on the Well Seekers Club and you'll see the box there. Click on the summer box. And if you're sort of like, Oof, I don't know if I want the summer box, I would suggest the back to basics box. Guys, I use the stuff in this box, no joke, once a week as my self-care because I don't have time either. No one has time. So these are quick, real, practical items that you can use to unstress for anyone, regardless of how much time you have for a happier and healthier life and story. So we are prepping for our next six week series as we journey together to find our stories and lives of happiness and holistic wellness in real and practical ways. If you guys have ideas for the next series and you want to give them to us, make sure you connect with me. Hello at wellseekers.com or you can tweet at wellseekers. Sarah, who works on the show, Jason, who has been a part of the show, we all get these tweets. We have a couple of people behind the scenes who like to remain nameless, but they look at the tweets. And most importantly, I'm on there way too much. Um, So you can always tweet at me at Wellseekers. I just want to thank all our guests, Wami, John Webster, Christina Edwards, Rachel Melinda, and Meg for being an incredible, incredible guest. All of you, you've been awesome. And we've learned so much from you on our journey. I hope that you've learned something from us. I hope you all will come back on the show. I just want to say to everyone out there, I hope that you've gotten closer to the summer mind that you want, the summer mood that you want, and the, the life that you want before summer. And most importantly, if you haven't, the beauty of it is this is a journey. It's not a destination. You can rewrite your story at any time. Change can occur at any time. I truly believe that. I truly know it. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the life of people I've worked with. And I see it around me every day from the comments and the people that we um, are in touch with here at Wellseekers. So most importantly, don't lose hope. Your story is worth it. Happiness peacefulness and health is out there for you. So if you haven't found it yet, keep seeking, you will find it. And we're going to walk with you along your journey and your way until you get there. From all of us here at Seekers, thank you so much. We're so honored to be on this journey with you. Thanks for trusting us with your ears um, as you listen to this. And we will be kicking off our video as well next series. So look out for that. Thanks so much for listening. And we hope you'll be back with us next series and season here on WellSeekers.
0: How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.